0: Hello and welcome to Papago Butte's Church of the Brethren podcast, recorded live weekly at our campus in Scottsdale, Arizona during our normal service. Good morning again. Um, my name is John Chubb and I'm happy to be preaching with you this morning. Um, as I said uh, earlier, I just got back from the Pacific Southwest uh, District Conference last night that was in um, the University of Laverne in the Los Angeles area. Um, and this year's theme was not on armpits, uh, but it was the theme of together in ministry and our text was from uh, 1 Corinthians 12 4 through 27. And so it's, I'm gonna give you a brief update on just some of the things that, that happened uh, during this week and during that time. Um, earlier in the week there was there's actually some Zoom-only workshops and some insight sessions, some kind of dialogue that was happening. Um, I actually led one on Monday night about this First Corinthians passage, kind of like kind of we talked about it. Um, on Friday, when I uh, got out to uh, California, I uh, was part of a pastor's seminar um, on, on the subject of creativity, that God is a creative God, that we are creative people, and our ministry is creative. And we kind of like just... Fleshed that out in all kinds of different ways, and it was really, it was really exciting to be part of that uh, conversation. Um, yesterday, Saturday, that was an all-day business session where we heard various updates, various happenings at what's going on just in our geographic district. Uh, we voted on things. Nothing was super controversial or crazy. It was very, very straightforward process. Um, we had four delegates that were there. Uh, myself and Laura Miller were there in person. Um, Steve Guthrie was there. You can see him on this really terrible picture of him on the screen. He's doing roll call, checking in. Um, and then uh, Brittany Dempster, I think, was, was there on Zoom as well. Uh, Joseph Guthrie is up there in the corner. He was actually there in person, not as a delegate, but helping to run our sound. And so he did a great job with that. So he gets a shout out. Um, I saw Don and actually Karen Schenkster were there. Um, Don is on standing committee for the, for the denomination. And so he was kind of giving some updates as far as uh, what's going on with that. Um overall it was a great time just to meet people in our geographic distance uh, to just to, to, to represent our personal church and just to continue to strengthen uh, those relationships with people I've met and uh, d- you know develop new friendships and new relationships um, and so uh, between I think being in zoom meetings between emails and being at, at conferences both nationally and geographically um, I, th- I feel like I'm at a point where I don't feel like a complete stranger uh, to all of this um, and so uh, kind of been just meeting more and more people actually uh where is it oh that that, ooh, that picture in the very in the corner really washed out that's a picture that was at the pastor spouse retreat um this past summer that uh, that my family and i went to so we're my family's in that picture, but you just can't tell because of our screen. So we're there. So it's kind of like, oh, I'm up on the screen, too. So every, everyone was up on the screen at some point. So I stepped into my role here at the Church of the Brethren about a year and a half ago, really excited about, like, kind of the theology and kind of the things we're about. But, like, a lot of the um, the polity and the practices and the business side of things, like, a year and a half ago, I was very much, like, unaware, kind of shaky on those things. And just over the last year and a half, I've learned so much. Still have a lot, to, a lot long ways to go, but I like to tell people, like, oh, yeah, I feel like, the John now versus the John year and a half ago can speak about these things a little bit more um, eloquently and just kind of I, I understand those things and things like going to the uh, the, the district conference help. Um, as, far, as far as like who was there and attending, there was roughly 60 or so people I'd say there who were there in person along with a plethora of folks on Zoom. Um, we have roughly about 26 churches in our district, and I think about 14 or 15 were there uh, uh, per, like in person on, on, on some capacity. Um, one highlight, one thing that we did was kind of just talk about the various happenings in the churches. People got up and spoke about things. I gave us, uh, I gave a brief talk and said, uh, talked about some of the things we're, we're doing. Uh, but one in particular really stood out to me. Um, there's a Pasadena church. I think it's. This in Church of the Brethren, um, and they, a few years ago, they were kind of on their last legs. they were a really small church, mostly older, and they re- like you know you have a building, and you kind of start to realize like you know, are we going to be able to sustain ourselves? You know, should we close? What what should we do? They were having some of those really difficult conversations. Well, they actually started to develop a relationship with a Spanish-speaking congregation that was kind of young and vibrant and growing. One thing led to another. They started to um, kind of partner with them. That that Spanish-speaking church was meeting with them. And basically, that, that church has basically been replanted as a Spanish-speaking church. And so it was just really beautiful to kind of hear that story. Um, and just uh, as, a, as a, I don't know about the uh, nationwide as a as a a, um, denomination but i know in our district we have a healthy uh, and growing number of spanish speaking churches as well when i get emails from russ uh, to to everyone in the district the emails are usually in spanish and and, and english and spanish when we do zoom meetups there's often spanish translation and a lot of our worship was also done in english and spanish so that's kind of just really encouraging to kind of just see the um just the that diversity uh, within our group as well and again, there was like a business book that I, like I shared about earlier, and that's in the lobby. If you have any questions about anything or want to know more, you, know, you can always talk to me, read the business book, give Steve Guthrie a shout out. He's, he's always there faithfully at these meetings and he, he knows what's going on as well. So uh, one other thing that happened too was in the bottom corner, uh, we kind of officially said goodbye to Joe Vecchio as well. Um, he has been the Pacific Southwest District um, kind of office ad- administrator for the past 29 years. And so if you've ever had to reach out about any Anything in our district, if you had to call the office or email them or whatever, you've probably talked to Joe or emailed him or something at some point. So he's been a huge, 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 important like cornerstone in our district, and he stepped down over the last year. Um, they have a new uh, woman, uh, Kimberly is her name, so she's kind of uh, getting her feet uh, planted in that role as well. So um, this is a chance to kind of honor him and his legacy and just thank him uh, for that as well. So that's kind of my brief update on, on, on that. and kind of moving a little bit more into our sermon, you know, we just ended our series looking at the seven miracles in John's gospel, and so with this passage from 1 Corinthians kind of being in my brain a lot this week, I was like, hey, like, let's just, you know, we're kind of we're in between series, so this is a good uh, uh, text to preach from, and so that's what we're going to look into this morning, uh, the passage from 1 Corinthians uh, 12, verses 4 to 27. Uh, so as always, we begin in prayer, so please uh, pray with me. Lord, we are thankful for your word. We are thankful for the truth of your word in Paul's day when he wrote his letter. We're thankful for the truth of uh, that letter throughout the ages, and we're thankful for the truth of that message and that word for us even now today. I pray that I would indeed be able to preach and proclaim your truth. If I say anything that's not of you, let that be forgotten. Uh, but we pray that you be brought glory and honor and that we'd le- learn to better be your disciples as a result. Amen. Alright, so this is one of those New Testament passages uh, from, from Paul that we're probably all are like a little bit more familiar with. It's a very straightforward passage. It's fairly simple and almost preaches itself. You can almost get up there, and read it, and you're like, that is a sermon. There's not like there's not this weird like nuance here. It's pretty straightforward, it preaches itself. Uh, we believe that the Holy Spirit is alive and active, and it gifts us all with special abilities and giftings, and we need those things to function well as a church. Uh, all of these things are important and they're all needed. That's basically the gist of the passage. Um, overall, it's fairly non-controversial. Probably another reason we like it. Sometimes you get into the sticky passages and there's like a hundred ways of understanding it. That can get a little tricky. This is fairly non-controversial. Now he does d- dive into like spiritual gifts with like speaking in tongues, interpretations, things like that. Sometimes that can get a little bit dicey. Um, but overall, like the passage is non-controversial. Um, and it's very straightforward. It's also one of encouragement. I think another reason that we like reading it Paul is often yelling at his audience or like kind of scolding them and he's not doing that here he's encouraging them and sometimes it's kind of just nice to read something encouraging um, and so in many of his letters he's providing course correction kind of in the Corinthians uh, correspondence he does that but this passage it's again it's a little bit more of one of encouragement um and so, yeah, again, no one is more or less important or valued uh, due to their giftings and due to what they bring to the table. Like, everyone is important. Everyone who makes up the church is important, and we need everyone uh, to be part of that. And the Holy Spirit gives diff- different gifts accordingly, and that is okay, and that's a good thing. No one's better or worse due to those giftings. All of those are valuable. All of those are important. All of those are needed. And Paul goes on at length to use the human body as a metaphor and just what it means to be the church together. And just as our bodies have different parts and they all function together, uh, they make up the body, uh, so it is with the church body. So that's how human bodies work. And that's just a really beautiful uh, analogy that he's using as well, that there's there's different giftings, different functionalities, but we need those to function well and to be a healthy church. Uh, Just as how the foot cannot say to the hand, well, I'm not important because I'm not a hand. Uh, likewise, it is with those who make up the church. And so those things that you bring, those gifts, those talents, they are all very important no matter what they are. Um, and so when I, when I read this passage, when I think about this passage, you know, the things he lists, they're pretty obvious as to why they're important. He talks about feet and hands and ears and eyes. He talks about our sense of hearing and smelling. Um, Those are all very obvious body parts. Those are all very like Obvious like functions, and and granted, it's the ancient world. You know, they didn't they didn't know much as much about biology as as we did, so they were able to talk about like that. Everyone understands how hands and feet work, regardless of what time period to live in. But you know, when I when my when I read these kind of parts of the Bible, uh, my my brain goes to just like, well, how do we think about this differently? How do we think about this creatively? What about those parts that are uh, maybe less significant? And the younger, I grew up reading the Bible, the younger version of myself, you know, maybe the teenage version of myself reads this passage and says like, well, what about something like, an armpit you know like what do we do with that uh, we, we talked about this passage a few months ago in sunday school i think that was part of the conversation we talked about body parts like what's a weird body part like an armpit like what, what why is paul not using uh that in this metaphor like it gets me thinking like why do we have those um are they important uh you know maybe it would be effective from paul to give a shout out to some of those body parts that are a little bit more weird to talk about you know he kind of alludes to them but he doesn't like kind of name them um, but, you know, what do armpits do, and, you know, can, does that fit in with Paul's analogy? Can, can we make, can we, can we use that here? Um, and so I, I started thinking about armpits a lot. So that's, you know, in my role here, you have to look up different things, think about different things, and armpits were on my brain for a bit. Um, and so I was thinking about it, and, like, philosophically, armpits exist because we have arms. And so just by having an armpit, by definition, you have an arm, and I realized that's kind of like a more like a meta reason why they exist. That's kind of like a philosophical, like high level thought. And so, you know, if I don't know something, I take to Google and I just try to figure things out. And so I was looking up just like medically speaking, why do armpits exist? Are they there for a reason? Do we need them? Um, and I think you all know I'm not a medical professional. So if I'm kind of like what I'm about to share, if I'm kind of like, Misexplaining some things, you can always like you know correct me after the sermon. I, I welcome that. Uh, but these are some of the things uh, that I learned, and that our armpits are actually home to more than 20 lymph nodes, which are called the axillary lymph, lymph nodes. Uh, they oversee the regulation and filtration of lymph through the upper limbs and back. Uh, Lymph is something that transports oxygen, hormones, nutrients throughout the body while also helping to remove waste from cells. So basically, they contain this thing that helps keep like part of our body healthy by moving things around. To take it a step further, armpit hair actually serves a helpful and useful purpose too. Um, armpit hair is like body hair helps to just remove friction as we're moving about. And so by having armpit hair, that just kind of helps things just move a little bit better and easier for us. And it leads into like another part of uh, armpits. Well, yeah, They get a little smelly. That's a little weird to talk about. Um, apparently, there's actually potential benefits from that as well. Um, there's some evidence that kind of just the smells that humans put out, they maybe help us attract mates or help you stay attracted to your mate. Again, I was reading science blogs about this. Um, One article I was reading was saying, and this is in quotes, that there are actually stress-relieving benefits to smelling a person's natural scent. That is interesting. There's stress-relieving benefits to smelling a person's natural scent. So our bodies, they need to be able to see and to taste and to feel and all of that. Um, But our bodies need to have our lymph transport things around in our our bodies. It's also helpful to have a method to deal with friction and to have some built-in things that attract mates. All of which are part of the armpit. And so the armpit is actually a very helpful and useful part of our bodies. And I'm excited to report that back to you. And so just as our church needs eyes and ears and noses, we also need armpits. And maybe I could have titled the sermon, like Be an Armpit for Jesus. You know, maybe we should put that on bumper stickers. That might attract some traffic. We might get some you know, hits on our website if we started putting that message out there. So maybe we should look into that. Um, so You know, I realize I'm getting some laughter, some smiles, and being a little bit silly, um, but as silly as it is to say it out loud, I think it does fit in with Paul's metaphor. As a local church, we need a variety of people to function. Um, You know, I'm preaching this morning. I fulfill a pastoral role here, and I wear a lot of different hats in the process, and so I'm fulfilling a role here. You know, as a church, we need a helpful leadership structure but we also need teachers and administrators. We need help with our building. We need people to do sound. We need musicians. We need people to understand finances, etc. You know, a church has all kinds of various needs. And if you don't have some of those needs kind of like being fulfilled by, by people and having gifts exercised, you can start to notice that rather quickly when those things like are not happening. And so I think that um, this passage is an encouragement for us to use those giftings we have in order just to help function as a church and I think to lift others up in the process. That's what this passage is like encouraging us and I think challenging us to do. And so just as we need um, inspiring and challenging sermons, we need people to negotiate insurance rates. We need people to deal with building logistics. We need people to like look over our, our young people to like watch babies, like et cetera, really, like run the gamut of things that like, a church uh, may need. And, you know, this is one of those topics you can talk about in a very, like, generic sense. Like, everything I'm saying right now, I could pretty much preach at any kind of, any kind of a church. Uh, But then you can also take this metaphor and you get really personal about it. You can kind of, like, localize it. You can talk about it in a local context as well. And so, what I, what I mean by that is this, like, a general encouraging or challenging to a church to use their giftings. That's a message, like, you can preach in just about any, any generic setting. Um, but Paul, you know, he, he's dealing with a specific setting here. He, he's dealing with a situation where they had a lot of people who were wanting to be eyes, a lot of people who were wanting to be ears, um, a, lot of, a lot of people who were wanting to be the more important body parts, if you will. And so, I think in many churches, that is indeed the case. There are definitely churches and situations where power struggles can ensue if everyone is clamoring to be the brain or everyone is clamoring to be the eyes or, or, or what have you. Um, and so, that's certainly a, a common drama that's played itself out in thousands of situations. And I think this text speaks into that. This text speaks into this, like, just be, being aware of the dangers of everyone kind of like wanting to rise to the top, so to speak. Um you know, I think about various church scandals that have made the news in recent years, and most of them involve a high profile celebrity like pastor and seeing all of that come unraveled. And often in those situations, there has been a clamoring for power, which has been left wildly unchecked. It's like like the, like the brain or the eyes or whatever are just allowed to just keep going and going and going and then just kind of all blows up in their faces. And so that individual is wanting to be, like, maybe the eyes and the ears and the heart and the brain, all of it uh, for themselves. And really, there are no single, like, all-gifting individuals in a church. Like, that doesn't exist. I think we need to have a sense of checks and balances in a church setting, as well as a denominational setting as well. So I think this text is also calling us to realize, like, hey, like, I can't do everything. Like, I don't have all those giftings. I don't have all those skill sets. Like, we all need everyone to kind of use the things that, that they have been uh, gifted in. Um, a lot of churches, you know, I think generally like, often the, the bigger ones need to be hearing this message that maybe we need to dial back some of the, uh, that celebrity, maybe dial back uh, some of that, that power and control that can often exist in the church. Um, but when I think about our church, I was thinking, okay. I was like thinking about like scandals and stuff. Thinking about our church, I was thinking about this message from Paul. I think we almost have like the opposite uh, thing going on in our setting. I think we kind of fall on the other end of the spectrum, where I don't think we have this tendency uh, to have a lot of eyes and ears and, and mouths clamoring to be the sole mission or the loudest voice in the room. Um, and, and using that armpit analogy, I think that many of us are here and are comfortable with that. That almost like that hidden esque kind of like. Uh, forgotten role, if you will, that kind of like side thing, kind of just being off to the side. Um, you know, because the body we ha- has a lot of things you don't really think about. You know, we have like gallbladders. I never think about my gallbladder, but, you know, like there, we, have, we have toenails, we have appendixes, we have all those kinds of things. And I think that many of us here are in those roles, and all of those things are crucial. All of those things are very important. All of those things are very uh, vital, and I am glad that is the case, and so to be clear, I think it's a good thing that we kind of err on the other side. I think that's, that, that's, a, that's a good thing. We lean introverted, and I think we value and appreciate trying to be kind of listening to what others are saying, what do others value. Like, we're all about communication and kind of listening. I think that's a, that's a good thing here. I think that we have a healthy sense of humility here. Um, but at the same time, uh, there are certain roles and certain aspects that make up a church body that we could use some more eyes, that we could use some more ears with. Um, so when I think about our local context, there's a, one role in particular that we've been struggling a little bit with over the last few years is that role of, like a, of what we call a steward's position, basically of someone who helps to just oversee how we use our building, how it functions, and like just a lot of the idiosyncrasies we have with that. You know, we have this wonderful physical space. It's been recently ish paid off. We have this wonderful, great building. And maybe, but we don't maybe have the best lungs to help keep it breathing. And again, to be clear, I think we're all kind of doing our part to kind of pitch in. A lot of us are doing things to stay afloat. Many thanks to those who are helping in that area. Um, But I think it also, we could also benefit from having some more direct energy kind of uh, with that role and with that position of, of someone who would have having giftings to help kind of just take ownership of that it, it doesn't mean that person has to physically be here every single day doing everything in the building uh, or be here for every event but I think it like having a like more of a direct set of eyes on our space is something that we have been lacking and so when I think about this passage, kind of in our church. I think that's one area that comes to mind for me that maybe we need some more encouraging in or some more challenging in of of, of needing kind of that part to just function better. Um, Certainly, um, there are other roles and giftings and things like that which we could discuss as well. And so I think this text calls us into having that routine sense of conversation. Because if we were all to sit down and we were to discuss our church and maybe the areas that we think could need some attention or could need some new life, things like that, I think as a group, we could probably highlight other considerations as well. And so our church is it's made up of so many wonderful people with so many different giftings and talents and skills. And it just when I think about us as a group, it just, it just warms my heart that we have this collective amazing capabilities here. We have a very talented, very creative group. And so I think we need that here. We need that diversity uh, of skills. We need that, that diversity of knowledge to function well. And I think that the more we're invested in each other's lives, the more we understand each other's stories, where we come from, what we've done with our lives, the things that we like and enjoy and are good at, the more we understand um, those, what those skills and those talents and those gifts are in a church. And so I think the more we're in communication with each other, the more we, our body functions well because like, we're all kind of, we're like a well-oiled machine. And so as we read this passage, hopefully, you know, whenever you read the Bible, hopefully you come up with questions like, how do you apply this? How do you understand this? What do you do with this? I think that one thing, one question that this text calls us to is, okay, that's great, but like, how do I know what my giftings are? Like, how do, like there's giftings, we're talking about that, but how do I know what those things are? Um, and that is a great question. Hopefully you were thinking it, if you weren't now you are. Um, And that, like, to fully, I think, answer that, that's a, that's a sermon or a series or a discussion for another day. But I think one key component to that is having others be able to speak truth into your life. So I think there's, it's one thing to say, like, hey, I think I have this set of giftings. Hey, I've noticed that when I look back at my life, these are things that bring me joy. These are things I feel like I'm, like I'm, a, I'm a maybe worshiping God when I do these things. Maybe, maybe like these are things I just have always done well at, or I think our church is functioning well when I do those things. It's one thing when you're able to speak about that. It's another thing entirely for someone else to see that and to speak that truth into your life, to say like, hey, this is something I've noticed about you and I want to affirm you in that. And so I think, like, we can recognize our giftings and things like that, but a crucial element to that is having others speak into that for you. And so with that in mind, I want us to do something very tangible this week uh, with the idea of giftings in the church. Um, I'm going to give you homework uh, for, for this week. Are you guys all ready for your homework assignment? Let me see some yeses, and this has been shaking of heads. Yes, homework, Okay. Every single person here who's listening right now, every single person who's present in this room, every single person who's listening on Zoom, every person who's like listening to Spotify later, everyone who's here listening and present with us right now, here's what your homework assignment is. I want you to contact at least one person who's part of our church and tell them something that you appreciate about them or their role here or their giftings that they have. That is our homework assignment for this week. That is your call to action I want you to send an email, I want you to send a text, I want you to get a phone call, I want you to send a letter, whatever is your form of communication. Pick at least one person, preferably more, and I want you to tell them about what you appreciate in their giftings. I want you to tell them like a story about something, like a way you saw God working in their life in our church or in their lives. I want you to, to, to do that, to speak verbally, to affirm at least one other person with their giftings uh, this week. What, what do they bring to our church? How do you see the Holy Spirit working in their life? Uh, maybe like what's a need that you see in our church? And you'd be like, you know what? Like I think that you could maybe help make that better or breathe some new life into that role. And that, that is our all of our homework for this week. Um, really, like we should always be in the habit of doing that. Uh, but this week in particular, I want us all to strongly lean into that. Is that that homework? Is that that assignment pretty clear? Shaking heads? Yes, it's pretty clear. Um, We're all graded on the honor system here. This is a church. There's grace here. So you'll be graded on the honor system. That's that's what I want us to be doing this week. Um, So in in keeping with that theme of the church as a body, uh, there's this one kind of final area I want to briefly talk about, highlight, and kind of discuss for a bit. Um, and that, that's this. There's this, this basic idea that as we grow, as our bodies grow and change over time, um, there's certain things we couldn't do before that now we can and vice versa. The older you get, the more you look back on your life, oh, I was really good at doing that then, or now I'm terrible at this or good at this, or now I need to learn how to do this. Like, that's just like what it means to be human. It's to constantly learning new things and kind of maybe like le- leaving other things in the past. And so the needs of our, our bodies grow and change and ebb and flow and evolve over time. And, you know, I have two small children, I have a two-year-old, uh, June just turned two, and Franklin's almost four. And just the amount of growth that Kara and I see in, just, in them every other day is, is huge. And the things that they could, like, barely do even a month ago, now they're doing with ease, and it's just exciting to see them grow and, like, become more self-sufficient. And for me, it can be really hard to acknowledge that and to just to... Um, to, like, let them go in that. And often I think, oh, you're only in this stage when I realize, like, kind of slowly realizing, oh, they're actually, like, way more beyond that. And so I'm slowly learning. I don't need to hover as much with my children. And that, you know, that, that can be difficult for me, but I'm slowly learning, learning that. And I, I, th- I think there's, like, that same tendency in churches as well, that at some point, we as a local church did not exist, and a group of people, they got together, they planted us, and they established us. And over, over time, that church grows and changes and evolves. You know, and if you're lucky enough, your church will get to the point where just none of the original founders are left. Um, when I lived in Massachusetts, there was a brief amount of time where I was involved in a church that dated back to 1713 like 300 years, like um, it had been generations since the original founders had been alive that anyone even knew them. Like it was people's great, 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 great grandparents that like had founded the church. And so just as our physical bodies grow and change over time along with the needs and abilities that are there, so do our local churches as well. And so I think it's vitally important and crucial that as a church, we continue to press into that question of like, what is our body like now? What does our body look like now? What things from the past are important and worth holding on to? What things do we have that we need to take and change and evolve or tweak or reinterpret? What things do we need to scrap and get rid of? Or what things maybe do we need to introduce into the church that we don't currently have? What are things that are maybe new to us that we should explore or just try or at least have a conversation about uh, the tendency for churches, and this is like true across the board—not just not just here, but very much, pretty much every church—is to stay a little bit too focused in the past. And and yes, the past is important. It's part of your story. It's part of how you got to where you're at today. The past will always be vitally important to like the present and your identity and who you are. But you also need to be looking at where you're currently at. And what does your body look like now? Uh, that doesn't mean that we just like burn everything to the ground every other year and kind of reinvent ourselves. But I think it does, it does mean we routinely and honestly ask ourselves like, who are we? What is our body like? What kind of giftings do we have here? What kind of things do we need to do here? What are the current needs? How can we take our giftings and meet those needs and match those needs? If there are certain things that we have here that we, you know, that we can't do or we can't meet, how do we think creatively about that? Or maybe do we need to outsource something like that? Or do we need to like network better with others, other churches and groups, books, resources, to meet those things? You know, we are a local church and that doesn't mean we're just in isolation by ourselves figuring everything out. Like there's all kinds of resources and groups around us locally uh, and nationally. As I'm learning more and more about our denomination, there's all kinds of resources and things we have. um, But I'm also excited there's just other things outside of our faith tradition that we can explore and look to as well. And so Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. He's encouraging them in their giftings uh, to use their giftings. He's encouraging them to be a unified church in the diversity of their giftings. And that message is just, I think, just so relevant for all of us today. We all need ears and eyes and armpits and spleens. We need to regularly be encouraging others in their giftings and not be afraid to step out and help in areas that need help. And we need to regularly be asking of who and what our body is like currently uh, with our eyes to the present and future and not just uh, solely looking back. Thank you for listening to Papago Butte's Church of the Brethren podcast. If you have any questions or are interested in finding out more about our church, feel free to reach out to us at any time. Our contact information is provided at www.pbcob.org.